0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Alex Ewell, Deputy Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today for our latest update on tech stocks. I'm joined by my colleague, Eric Savitz, Barron's Hello. Associate Editor who covers tech for us from Silicon Valley. Hey, Eric.
1: Hey, Alex. Good to be back.
0: Good to have you. Um, so we've had another busy week of tech earnings um, since we last talked. Some of the biggest news has been trouble for some chip makers. Um, maybe we'll talk more about that. AI has become sort of the only safety area of that part of the market right now. If you're in AI and you making and you're making chips, you're doing well. But if you're in chips and making things for cars and dump- <laughs> right. not so much. So we'll get to that. Perhaps we can talk about Apple, which is scheduled to report this afternoon. Um, but in the meantime, we have a real risk-on day today. This is kind of fun. It's what we it's what we got used to what two years ago, um, and it seems to be back. Um, maybe because investors are convinced that the Fed is finally done hiking rates. So uh, for, some, for for instance, uh, today Roku is up uh, 29%, Shopify is up 20% uh, 20%, Palantir is up 17%, even Peloton, which had terrible numbers this morning, is up 9% on the day. So, uh let's dive into this. Um, sure. It's all about rates, or are there actually some good fundamentals and, and numbers to report?
1: Well, I think both are true, right. So I think it is clearly the case that uh, uh, Chairman uh, Powell this week uh, signaled that uh, uh, while there's you know doors open, maybe to more uh, to another hike or two, the street has concluded that the Fed is done and and if 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 the Fed is done. Uh, that removes an impediment to that, that has been in place in the market for a really long time. So you know the whole decline in uh, tech stocks in 2022 was all well, only but largely driven by the the uh, ratcheting up higher of rates. Uh, first half of this year, tech stocks soared in part out of anticipation that the Fed was almost done and then there was some hesitation right. This sort of um, <clears throat> this sort of um, higher for longer notion I have, I became more say, prevalent.
0: I have to say that if you're a tech investor in the last year and a half, as this uh, rate hiking cycle has gone on, this uh, this idea we're getting today of the Fed is finally done. I mean, we've been here a few times now, so we yeah. should probably take it with a grain of salt to some degree. Uh, yes,
1: yes. Now, I think the other thing is, and you know, as uh, you know, you rattled off some names that are. <laughs> trading higher <laughs> today, and, and and almost all of those companies reported earnings last night. So, um, you know, uh, Roku, Shopify, Palantir this morning, um, I think, right? Palantir was actually this morning. That's yeah. true. Um, but they've all just reported earnings. They were all better than expected for various reasons, for varying reasons, uh, which we can we can talk about some of them in more yeah, detail. Just- but you know, this is the. It's funny. We had uh, last week when we we had uh, our call. We we were talking about some of the um, uh, you know the, the magnificent seven earnings, right? They tend to report a little earlier in the quarter. Now we're sort of into the you know super heavy uh, bulk of, of the technology companies reporting every day. There's like zillions of them, and yeah. um, and it's hard to keep up, right? It's it's a yeah. uh, uh, and we try and cover a lot of them, but we can't cover all of them. But what is clear is that um, uh, there are a lot of positive earnings reports, not all of them, as you alluded to, some of the semiconductor names have actually had very weak numbers, uh, but some of the more consumer oriented names are doing better. And so let's, and we're seeing some good stuff from AI.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's, um, so on the chip names, I think we can maybe just quickly say, you know, part of the problem has been a very non-tech issue, which is that a lot of these broad-based chip companies like On Semi, uh, Texas Instruments, Lattice. All make products for industrial companies, which aren't doing so well. So it's kind of like not a tech issue, but it affects these tech companies, right?
1: Yeah, and, and like in On's case, um, they have a they have heavy exposure to the automotive industry. Right. there have been a lot of disruptions there. You had you know had uh, labor action. Some factories were shut down. There's uh, demand isn't quite as good as some people had. Hoped perhaps, um, and so yeah. they're they're really struggling. There's another. Uh, There've been a number of those kinds of reports, but they're really they're they're sort of the second tier chip companies, right after the ones that we talk about the most the Intel's, AMD's, NVIDIA's of the
0: world, which tend to be driven by other factors. Like AI. And I don't think we have to go too far into this because we've talked about uh, these guys before, but but AI continues to, to certainly support um, the bigger chip makers that are making the more advanced chips. Yes, that's true. So, okay. So here, why don't we do this? Because you mentioned it's been hard to keep up. I think an interesting way to go about this this morning would be to hone in on a few of the names. Um, so why don't we start with Shopify? Because I think it does get to Uh, broader theme of uh, what we're seeing for tech companies uh, that have exposure to consumer spending. So Shopify up big today on their earnings. What does that tell us uh, about consumer spending?
1: Well, well, you know, I think it's a, it's a positive, uh, and it follows pretty good numbers from Amazon, uh, which, which were uh, reported earnings last week after our call actually. Um, So, so uh, you know, they, they, in fact, uh, so, so the, uh, the company is basically saying that, uh, you know, consumer spending is resilient um, and they're, you know, they're very upbeat. The numbers are strong on, you know, they're heading into uh, the most critical quarter, the most critical period of the year for all e-commerce and, you know, well, all retail related and, businesses.
0: And, and, and for people you who know, for have forgotten about Shopify as the stock has come so far off its pandemic highs shopify is kind of like the second biggest player in e-commerce behind amazon they help all these companies turn on um their own website Re- they help right. so, so, turn on websites. Right. so so the
1: difference is if, if you're used if you're selling on amazon um uh, you know it's an amazon branded experience you can there, there's obviously millions of people who sell products on amazon um on Shopify, Shopify is not a single platform like Amazon. They provide the underlying software tools and, uh, uh, and pieces to uh, run your own store. So you know, it's not Shopify branded. And I, I think one of the things that's most interesting when you look at their numbers for the quarter is, they, uh, besides reporting earnings and revenue, they report gross merchandise volume, like how much stuff was sold. Okay. Through their platform, right, um, and they they uh they sold about fifty six billion dollars worth of stuff mm-hmm. in the quarter. That's up twenty two percent year over year, and it was about two billion dollars above street consensus. Wow! And so, the people are shopping. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line.
0: All right. Well, that's interesting to me too. You know, this was a as I mentioned, a pandemic darling. I don't know how, how far did it come off, 70%, 80% from its highs or it something? It came
1: down way, way down. So it's
0: interesting to see some of this stuff maybe normalizing to some degree. Um, and, and we'll keep watching the, e- uh, the e-commerce thing. So that's uh, interesting there. I'll just quickly say DoorDash and... Uh, Airbnb, are they benefiting from similar things that we've seen this week?
1: Um, well, it's kind of a split decision. Um, DoorDash had a very good quarter. Uh, that stock is also up 16%, uh, today. Uh, they are, uh, they're doing extremely well. People are clearly ordering food. Um, and they continue to, I think, take, uh, take market share in, in food delivery. They're doing great. Um, Airbnb is a little more mixed story. They, uh, The guidance there was a little bit light. Um, It's a little unclear exactly what the issues are. However, I wouldn't be surprised if some of it has to do with, um, you know, concerns about uh, geopolitical issues. You know, they do a lot of their business in Europe. Um, It's a little bit more mixed story. And uh, I would note, by the way, that uh, later today, we're going to get results from both uh, Expedia and Booking, uh, which are the two largest... uh, Uh, other players and, you know, the online travel agency space. So that will give us a lot more clarity. Yeah, that'll
0: be, that that is, that will be more interesting than usual for sure. Um, Okay. So that, that's good. Um, We'll keep going since we have a lot to discuss. I will just point out, by the way, because I, I I brought up the pandemic a few times and how we're seeing themes uh, unwind or, or come back. It's very interesting to me. That on the list, the list of about 100 or 100, 150 stocks that I that I have on my uh, watch list right here, the only one with any real substantial losses today, and also on earnings, is Moderna. So oh, um, I, that it, you know, it, it is interesting. Um, if we're really truly unwinding the pandemic play or the post-pandemic play, I mean, you kind of get lost in where the trade is these days. But I just thought that was worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's. Uh, Let's see. So we talked about kind of Shopify. Um, you, let's talk a little bit about uh, Palantir as well. This is a stock you know pretty well. Uh, it's a bit of a confusing, complicated company, but essentially they're a software maker that are involved in defense and, and AI, right?
1: Right. So so Palantir does um, uh, large data analytics projects, uh, both for commercial and government customers. They, over the years, have been, um, I don't know, notorious in some ways for the fact that they do a lot of work for, you know, three-letter agencies for the for the uh, intelligence community and for the defense department. Um, but it is also true that they have a very large commercial business. And so those are the two big pillars of their business. Uh, earlier this year, they announced the uh, what they they simply call the AI platform. It feels like it needs a brand name, but they didn't <laughs> give it one. Um, but uh, but they they are beginning to see. Palantir says they're beginning to see traction from this uh, from their era, their AI work, um, and it's in, in, uh, it's affecting their commercial business, which uh, considerably outperformed expectations in the quarter, offsetting kind of a weaker than expected. Period for their um, for their government business, which you know they're they what they say about the government business is that is it's inherently lumpy. You know, okay. like it depends on large contracts. And, sure, sure. and now that may or may not be true, but that that business has slowed the growth. There has slowed some uh, recently, but the commercial business is doing really well. And in fact, <clears throat> I interviewed um, Alex Carp, who's the CEO at Palantir, very colorful, um, interesting person. Uh, Alex,
0: that was uh, just last night, right?
1: Just last night, yeah. So we we talked ahead of uh, uh, ahead of the release this morning, and um, you know, one of the things that he told me was that their U.S. commercial business, right, um, which is I don't know roughly half the overall commercial business, uh, should be at a billion dollar run rate by the first quarter of 2025. Now, if you take him at his word, that suggests their U.S. commercial business. Will more than double uh, from here, uh, so that's that would be substantial growth. I suspect that was a little bit of a surprise to the street, um, and uh, I was a little surprised that he would make such an aggressive uh, prediction. Yeah. And it's yeah. all driven by uh, their view that they uh, they're seeing you know acceleration driven by their AI business. And you know, um, uh, the
0: theme of the theme of the quarter, the theme of the year.
1: Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, it's 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 not, look, it, it hasn't played out for every company in the same way, um, but we've seen a few other instances about like this. We talked about uh, last week, we talked about IBM seeing some uh, acceleration in their uh, AI business and, you know, predict, uh, noting that they had received a few hundred million dollars in orders in the September quarter for their AI software. So I would note that, you know, some of the other AI plays, um, seem to be benefiting today, Note, notably C3 AI, which is up about twelve percent today, um, which is sort of in the same general business. They are on a January year end, so their earnings won't be for another month or so because it's an October quarter. So okay. we'll see yeah. when they. But today, meanwhile, the stock is uh, you know uh, catching
0: a, uh, an a- an AI tail.
1: tailwind from yeah. Tesla.
0: So let me, um, I would just point out, by the way, that for some of the smaller AI plays, and obviously IBM is not that small, Palantir is not that small, but compared to the so-called Magnificent Seven, they are small. So it would stand to reason that if they're going to get an AI boost, it's going to move the needle a little bit quicker for revenue probably than it will at Microsoft or uh, or Alphabet, right?
1: Right. I would note, by the way, one other thing, uh, just uh, as an aside on I mentioned Microsoft. Um, one of the things that people have been uh, waiting to see from Microsoft is the debut of their uh, Copilot
0: there yeah,
1: yeah. for uh, for Microsoft 365, their their Office suite, um, you know, which includes like Word and, and Excel and Excel, PowerPoint, etc. Uh, so that that uh, that project, selling the Copilot, uh, started yesterday. So it yeah. went live yesterday. It's not cheap. Uh, and it's not cheap. It's thirty dollars, it's priced at thirty dollars per user per month.
0: But that's on top of the Office 365 yes. you're already paying. Right.
1: Which in some cases, if you talk to uh when you talk to executives about this, some of them will say that they, they actually pay less than that per seat for 365 for their users. Now yeah. there's always volume discounts with these things. They say thirty dollars. If you have a hundred thousand users, you're not paying thirty dollars. Right. But 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 I think what's clear is it will be an interesting test and we'll, we won't Absolutely. see the results until they report december quarter earnings uh, early next year but um uh you know it's gone live so we'll see if uh, if it works uh this should be a big deal for microsoft if it doesn't you know, work
0: I, mean, well, I totally so. agree. I think we should be paying very careful attention to this as like one of the first real test cases of the of the business of the economics of AI. It's uh, what I, some of what I read was reading yesterday is I think they're already trying to justify this. So if it's thirty, if it does come in at thirty dollars um, extra per user per month, that's what three hundred and sixty dollars a year. Um, so I hope I'm doing my math right. Three hundred six dollars a year, and what they would say is that's like two hours of a worker's time, let's say for any given year. So if you get two hours of benefit from this AI, this is dirt cheap, right? Or you know, or even free, and then it just gives right. from that point on. So it, all, it it'll be fascinating to see if that if that works out and if it's ac- if it's actually useful and it saves two hours or more of time a year it's going to pay for itself, right?
1: Right. Well, because it gets at this underlying question in AI, which is how is it going to be paid for? Because Microsoft wants extra money for their work on AI. And so does more or less everyone else. work on AI, true. Right. right? So, uh, you know, Salesforce and ServiceNow and, um, and, and every other software company that is yeah. offering, uh, you know, Adobe has already announced a pricing strategy on AI. So like they all want extra cash. And yeah. so the question is going to be, where's the money going to come from? Now, right. the argument, as you say, is that, well, it's going to make someone, everyone so much more efficient that it's going to free up cash. Right. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that the reality is going to be that like, you know, another way of looking at it is like IT budgets are not endless.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, then well, and, and so there's going to be some trade-offs. Yeah, made,
0: Right. Um, and that's a really good point that you know, Microsoft can say well we'll save you two hours a year so so it's worth 360 bucks but as you point out if 10 other companies say that now we're up to 20 hours and you know it gets it at goes, some point get-
1: that doesn't work for everyone I, when I talked to uh, last week uh, I talked to Bill McDermott the CEO of ServiceNow and what he says is like this is so important people will cut back on like SdNA like they're gonna spend if they're gonna spend less on uh, on you know the the basic cost of running their business, that they'll reduce salespeople, that they'll Cut back on, you know, um, administrative costs to
0: spend for this. Are we going to get less fruit in our office? Is that what they're saying, basically? Uh, you know, maybe. You, or, you know, we'll
1: see. Uh, you know, I work at home. I not I have to go shopping to get fruit in my office. So.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so let's let's keep going because um, I, I promised a few yeah. specific di- uh, di- mm-hmm. dives into a few companies. Let's do. Um, let's talk about Roku um, next. Uh, that stock now. I'm looking is up 31% today. Uh, also on earnings, it's obviously has, um, it's a big streaming play, arguably like the, the a pure one of the few pure plays on streaming. Uh, it's actually pushing some other stocks up today, including Paramount and Warner Brothers. Those are both up 9% because they're streaming plays. So what, what's going on with Roku? Um, and then I also want to ask you from there, we'll, we'll go from there to talk about Hulu and Disney. Uh, sure. Which has some news, but let's start with Roku. Yeah, so first of all, let's keep in mind Roku stock is
1: unbelievably volatile. Okay, so so the stock is up thirty percent at around seventy-seven dollars. If you go back two years, uh, the stock got pretty close to five hundred dollars a share. So, like this, the stock the stock has been on a wild run. Even just this year, it's you know it's had a very wide range. Um, it's a high beta uh, stock. But what, ha- what happened is they reported a big revenue piece, um, and uh, that suggests uh, uh, that uh, the uh, uh, advertising environment for streaming is better than uh, people had thought, which is, helps explain why you're getting an extra boost from stocks like Pal- uh, uh paramount and right uh, Warner brothers discovery just is it remind- suggests a strong streaming advertising environment.
0: Can we just remind people eric that roku for the most part which obviously made its name selling these sticks uh streaming sticks to, to, to do streaming on your tv that's not really where they make their money anymore right
1: no so so they have um when you look at their uh, uh when you look at their reporting they have a category that they just call platform revenue, okay. which is where most of the revenue is. And that's ad sales also includes things like distribution deals that they have with the, you know, where they, they, they get paid to carry some of these channels, things like that. But it's mostly advertising. Um, some of that on their own channel, the Roku channel, which has actually uh, been generating uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, traffic. It's now more than 1% of total US television viewing. Hours that's something we wrote about um, a few months ago. Um, we wrote about fast channels, uh, but the bottom line is it's it's driven by advertising. They they still make streaming sticks. They still license their OS to television manufacturers. They actually have some of their own televisions now. Okay. Uh, they do a few other ancillary things, but it's basically an advertising play. Um, and, you know, the idea is, right, you, you generate a very large audience, and then you can sell ads against it. So, like, they sell ads on the platform, they sell ads on their channel, and then when they do these distribution deals with ad-supported services, they take some of the inventory and they sell that. But okay. the bottom line is, is a play on streaming advertising. And okay. um, and so and it, it's obviously very upbeat news for... Anybody in the television, um, uh, uh, in the television, uh, yeah. and, and I just
0: want to say, like, I think looking back on this quarter, um, I mean, we still have Apple to come this afternoon and we'll see what the takeaways are there. But looking back on this quarter, it could be that streaming um, is going to be maybe the biggest winner. Uh, Netflix started everything off a few weeks ago with really good numbers. Um, now we're hearing from Roku. Uh, There's been some good numbers in in the music streaming business as well, but suddenly streaming um, whose model really seemed under threat just three and six months ago. um, There's some, as you know, there's now some optimism.
1: there. Yeah. I I do know just a couple of other things. One is you might recall that both meta and alphabet had strong quarters for their advertising businesses. Now they each had some other like quibbles and there were, there was that comment that, um, uh, from Meta about how they're being impacted on, um, you know, how the, there were some concerns about potential impact on advertising dollars early mm-hmm. in the quarter yep. uh, due to the war in, in the Middle East. But uh, but in general, the advertising never all been good. Like another example today, there's a company called The Trade Desk, which is basically like a platform for, you know, for for advertisers uh, to buy advertising. They're up 6% today. And yep. um, so I think it's, it's, it's not only is it a good are there positive signs for streaming but it's just i think for the advertising environment overall yep. the signs are uh are you know okay. stronger than expected at least for so, the moment so in so fact you know who also had great, a great great advertising quarter is amazon yeah who um, which has now a very large advertising business they're uh, I, I pointed out recently that they're you know they're like almost double the size of youtube like bigger way, bigger
0: way bigger than snap so like, let's um all right let's take this context and go to a really another big story uh albeit expected story which is last night disney confirmed or said yes we are going to be buying the rest of hulu essentially comcast is forcing them to buy the rest of hulu from them and there's this you've written about this but there's this floor in place that the transaction to buy the remaining 33 percent of hulu from comcast uh, will cost disney at least 8.6 billion dollars but right. based what we just talked about and based on some numbers that are out there that you've written about, the number in that bill could be way bigger than $8.6 billion to buy the rest of Hulu, right?
1: Right. So this is a fascinating situation. And so, uh, you know, Comcast and Hulu, I'm sorry, Comcast and Disney uh, five years ago signed this agreement. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, the, there was the ownership structure of Hulu is long and convoluted. But basically, as of five years ago, it was pretty clear. Two thirds owned by Disney. One third of my Comcast. The two companies agreed that within five years, after five years, uh, there was a put-call arrangement where either Comcast could force Disney to buy its stake, or Disney could force Comcast to sell its stake. Didn't really matter. The the, the steps from there are no different depending on who actually pulled the trigger. Uh, But and there there was a floor, as you say, there was a floor price for the value of Hulu. And the floor price they set was $27.5 billion. And so the implication was, at, like, at a minimum, um, you know, Disney would pay Comcast uh, a third of 27.5 with minus some adjustments for, like, capital calls for Hulu. And so, as you say, it was, like, over $8 billion that they announced they were going to pay last night. Now, the thing about that announcement is there was, like, nothing new in it right like except the exact number that was uh you know the, the the tweak number of how much they would have to pay and the fact that they have to pay it by the end of November so like they once once the trigger is pulled uh Disney was had a 30-day window to pay
0: their pro
1: rata amount of Hulu yeah to come. now here's the catch um,
0: the, the, it has the price, costliest, it has the costliest fine print maybe of all time
1: yeah, so that's, that's actually that potentially will be true. So the, the rule is uh, that that both sides now hire bankers, presumably they've already hired bankers. Each of their bankers do a valuation uh, exercise on Hulu and te- and say how much they think it's worth. And um, under the the rules of their agreement, if the two figures from the two sides are within ten percent of each other, they just average them and take the middle number. That's That will be the number. If they're more than 10% apart, which is kind of likely, actually, because given the interests of each side of having the number either be smaller or bigger, um, then the two bankers hire a third banker. And that third banker also gives an estimate on uh, the valuation of Hulu. Then they take the two that are closest together and split the difference. Now, where's that going to end up? Well, I don't know, but here's the, here's what I would, here's the math that I did uh, recently in doing a story about Comcast is you kind of go, okay, well, so what's the best comp on Hulu? I think it's fair to say that it's Netflix. Right. Um, you really know, some of the others don't really look like them. You can't yeah. use Paramount, which has like a broadcasting business. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, and you can't use like Warner doesn't make sense. They own CNN. Like there's just like a bunch of things that are not comparable. So if you use Netflix um, you know you can value it um, on a multiple revenue you can value it on a prescriber basis depending what number you choose you could get a you can easily get a valuation uh not at 27 and a half billion but 40 or even 60 billion dollars uh a number in the 60 billion dollar range which is at the far end of like what's likely but If you got a number of that size, that's a debacle for Disney because then they got to come up with another, you know, 10 plus billion dollars. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. They say that the process is going to take, you know, we'll we'll wind up sometime in 2024 and we'll see. I I would note, by the way, that uh, as we've reported, Comcast CEO Brian Roberts has has been on the record basically salivating (laughs) like at the prospect. For what this number could really be. He he makes the argument that the number is way above what it was five years ago. And you know, like you could
0: see his point. The world yeah, has changed. It's gonna be this is gonna be fun to watch. Um it's gonna be good the done. real fireworks are still to come. And you know, Comcast once it sells Hulu, it's not like they're out of the streaming business, right? They still have Peacock. So um Yes. Yes,
1: they, so they're not done. And they there are other moving parts in Comcast case. So yeah, be uh, they're not finished with.
0: All right. So um, I wanna get to um, the story you just wrote, published this morning. Um, It's actually our cover story this week uh, and it's about kind of the the comeback of the personal computer. Um, So, and this is gonna bring us back to our favorite topic of AI, because it turns out that along with all the other businesses that are maybe getting a boost from AI, a good old personal computer um, is also going to be getting in on AI, on the AI business and it could be really good for these uh, for, for what are pretty cheap stocks um, yep. so tell us more and then um, well we have it we'll, we'll go from there um, okay so, so from, about this story too already from our readers so.
1: sure so so look the the, lay of the land here is that the PC industry has been in a funk, right PC sales surged during the pandemic. Because we were all stuck at home and we needed more laptops. Otherwise, not everybody could get things done, right? So surge in demand in, you know, in, in 2021. Um, things then, as as the world went back to normal, we, we saw demand slide. And we've now had eight straight quarters of year-over-year declines in PC unit volume. So it's kind of in a funk, right? And there's been this sense that, like, you know, a PC is sort of a dumb terminal. Like, we're doing all our work in the cloud, emails in the cloud, you know, using Google Docs or Microsoft Office, everything's in the cloud. And, you know, who cares what kind of PC you have? Okay, so now there's a new wrinkle. So the PC companies, including Dell and HP, Lenovo and the rest, um, and that their key chip providers, the microprocessor companies, Intel, AMD, and even Qualcomm, um, have, uh, are all super excited about the idea that we're going to make n- a new class of PCs, they just call them AI PCs, and uh, that these new kinds of PCs will be capable of running the kind of AI applications that we'd all kind of assumed you'd need the cloud to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so, th- and this is interesting for a whole bunch of reasons. So, So one is like some kinds of AI applications that involve using a lot of your own data like stuff like your own documents, your own email, um, say, uh, you know, maybe uh, conversations you have during the day, you have all this information about things that you've generated yourself. Maybe you don't want to share it with the cloud. Maybe you're worried about security. Or maybe it's just cheaper to run that. uh, If you can run that software locally, we're not talking about generating, we're not like building large language models, which is a whole separate thing. But like running these applications on your a laptop might be more efficient and right. also involve uh, less latency. You're not going back and forth to the network to kind of get things done all the time. And right. so there's a whole reason, a whole set of reasons people talk about the appeal of doing this. And it does involve a slight change in the architecture of your processor. So to get just slightly technical, mm-hmm. um, most PCs have two main kinds of compute. Uh, CPUs, like the basic chip that does the computing that runs your laptop, and GPUs, uh, graphics processors, which are used for displays. Um, And almost everybody has uh, both in their laptops. Um, And now we're getting a third piece, which is something called an NPU, a neural processing unit. Sometimes it's called a neural engine. Um, And the idea here is that these are specialized computing uh, capabilities intended to run the kinds of stuff you would do with AI, like very large data sets intensive kinds of uh, computing workloads that doesn't directly affect the CPU. Apple has actually had a neural engine in their um, design uh, processors for five years now. Like they've actually been doing that for a while. Um, But what's changed is the original version of what they were doing are sort of basic stuff that you don't even think that much about, like doing the facial unlock on your phone um, or fingerprint reading stuff where you don't want to, like, you don't want to have to rely on the cloud to do facial unlock on your phone. That would be bad because you might not be on the on the web. So, uh, but like kind of what I described in the story is like kind of autonomous functions, like uh, like breathing for a human being, like stuff that's going on in the background. But yeah. now we're talking, talking about bringing AI to the forefront. Um, and there's the potential that this will drive a whole new class of applications, get people excited about their PCs again in a way that they haven't.
0: Yeah. Okay. So... It's, it's fascinating. We, we, we you and I and together spend a lot of time on the story. I think it's very interesting. Um, so I'll just point out one thing, like a, a lot of we've gotten very used to the last six months or so hearing about Nvidia's chips, which are really graphics processors, but which help run AI applications in the cloud and how like everyone's rushing to buy those Nvidia chips. So you've sort of suggested, okay, as this begins to happen on the edge of the network, as um, uh, insiders like to call it, Now you're going to be rushing to put a a smaller version of that NVIDIA chip essentially into these laptops.
1: Yeah. Now I want to be clear that like some of the things that, you know, like there are NVIDIA chips that cost, you know, $20,000 more, right? So you're not putting those in a laptop and and they're also, they're, they're enormous in size. So you wouldn't put them in a laptop anyway, but those, those, those NVIDIA chips are used in part for uh, creating large language models, which involve. know billions of parameters um and take can take weeks of computing to just so what's the difference here not doing that so there's a there's a sort of uh, you can kind of broadly divide divide uh software for ai into two categories one is like large language models and one is what uh the 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 word is inference which is basically uh using the model to generate information so um so some of those, lo- so you can actually run the mo- run some of those models. Uh, and there are lots of different kinds of models. Some of them are, you know, like everything on the internet, sort of like chat GPT, yep. or, or whatever. But there are more specific kind of narrow models. And often uh, some of those things can be run uh, comfortably on an AI PC on your desktop without having to use, you I, know, expensive cloud computing. And I
0: think what you've explained in the story, if I understand, you know, is that, the model, so, you know, while you chat GPT is this massive model, with, like so much of the internet loaded into it, you kind of will create a local model on your own PC that's pretty much just all of your local information and then run inference on that to get answers about your day or something, right?
1: Right. So, you know, like there's some, there's some uh, startups that are trying to do things like capture, say, all the activity you do in a day. And though, so that might include all the chats that you have and all the voice conversations that you have. And. Um, all the websites that you visited, and you know all the—I don't know—social media sites you went to, and like look at all the stuff you did during the day, and then uh, and then you know you know how like sometimes at the end of the day you remember like what did I read that thing about yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know Microsoft today, and okay. then you could just find it.
0: And I'm gonna be able to write and say you know um, find me find me the uh, the snarky comment Eric sent me at uh, at two p.m. right. Yes, that
1: that too, right? Uh, So that might include what, right? Some snack, uh, you know, um, uh, messages I might send you during the day, slacks, uh, all all, all sorts of other things. And like, and all of that kind of information, um, you might not feel comfortable sending that
0: Absolutely. No, it it makes sense to me. Um, Um, All right. So uh, we got, we actually, people are reading your story, which I'm glad to see because we've already gotten, even though it just went up a few hours ago, we've gotten some questions about it. Uh, one of them is from Lee, who says, um, you know, he's an older an older listener. He basically uses his Windows 7 PC for email, investment mm-hmm. research, and, of course, reading a WS, WSJ and Barron's. He doesn't code. So he wants to know, um, is he going to be needing to get a new PC to accommodate these AI developments?
1: Yeah. So if he's running a Windows 7 machine, maybe he should be buying a new PC. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, but, but, uh, but, but look, I, I would say the thing about AI applications in general is like, you don't need to be a programmer. And, and in fact, quite the opposite, like the appeal of these applications is often that they have a natural language interface. They'll be easy to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Like even, even uh, uh, not only don't you have to be a programmer, but if you think about like what Microsoft is trying to do with their co-pilot, say for, uh, for 365 um, is uh, is make it way easier to use the applications, right? So instead of trying to figure out how am I going to get this data from this Excel spreadsheet into a PowerPoint, right? Like that whole idea just makes my stomach churn. Yeah. It's not, I'm not a PowerPoint expert. So like trying to do that is is kind of a nightmare. So, but with what you'll be able to do with these this Copilot software is basically say in natural language, please take the data in this spreadsheet and make a PowerPoint. So it's, And then you'll be able to say, you know, change the color or use, do, use a, this kind of chart, make that kind of
0: chart. Yeah. And, okay. So uh, that that so that might, speaks to a reason why even someone who doesn't consider themselves a power user may want this even more. And I mean, it, it's funny because it reminds me, and this is from a long time back, but probably some of our listeners will remember Microsoft Bob, which was like this <laughs> interface where... God,
1: I hope it's not like Microsoft Bob. Oh, well, so they um,
0: tried, but they tried to... Generate like a friendly PC where you could do things without having to dive into code and stuff. So this is maybe finally that promise uh, coming to fruition. Right. I mean, it's a
1: little like, uh, it reminds me a little bit also of, uh, if you might remember, uh, Ask Jeeves, right? which was uh, once a player in the internet search business and the conceit of Ask Jeeves, which would later be called ask.com, was that you could ask natural language questions to get Answers to things from the internet. Now the problem with Ask um was like we just didn't have the technology to really do it very
0: effectively. Didn't understand and, your questions.
1: It, it, it just couldn't do it yet. Yeah. Like we, we, right, it wasn't very satisfying. So because it, it didn't understand your questions, it wasn't like using Bard, right? right? So, so I, I think you know that that is often the case in technology. We see this over and over again, where you have an idea that doesn't quite work for whatever reason because the technology is just not quite. Yeah. There. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I think that's, that's true. And, you know, I think part of it will be um look, you know, I, I as I pointed out in the story, I had a conversation with uh, the CEO of IBM uh, recently about this and, you know, he, he thought like one thing that might happen is, well, a lot of your interactions with the computer will just be, uh will just be all, all audio. So like you won't, I know you, now of course there are already things like, you know, Alexa. and
0: right. like like The, and the hope like- is they actually work well. We still haven't seen that. So, uh,
1: right. yeah, well, we'll we'll, see. Uh, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll see. All right.
0: Well, I, um, I hope, I hope Lee that, that, uh, that, that helped answer your question. Um, so we have another, we're really basically out of time, but we cannot end this call without talking about Apple. And, um, we actually, uh, Joseph says, says in his question, be sure to cover Apple in their earnings reports. Um, their new Macs? Uh, is the Vision Pro going to take off? And how are they being left behind in the AI field to, this, uh, to the degree they are so far? So that's a lot of questions. Uh, but basically, we are going to get Apple earnings after the close today. We'll yep. hear about a lot of that stuff. We heard from Apple on Monday night during this virtual event where they announced new Macs. So in like two minutes, Eric, because we're really out of time, what should we be looking for? And uh, what do you expect?
1: Okay. So um, this is, you know, this could be a rough quarter for Apple. Um, They had basically told, they told the street a quarter ago that, you know, the uh, basically implied uh, uh, revenue would be down about 1% year over year, which is about what it was in the June quarter. Um, All eyes are going to be on what they say about iPhone 15, which, you know, launched during the quarter um, towards the end of September, right? So we got like a few weeks of iPhone, iPhone 15, and, but also any body English, uh, you know, uh, they provide on what's going to happen in December quarter. And there's a lot of mixed reports about iPhone 15. You know, there's some concerns about uh, component shortages. There are concerns about competition, particularly in China, where this Huawei Mate 60 phone is apparently quite uh, popular and taking some market share. Um, so, you know, that's going to be the heart of the story in the quarter. You know, it's going to be a rotten quarter for both Macs and iPads. The company has said uh, it will be, that both will be down uh, double digits year over year um, for for various reasons. And in any case, those tend not to move the stock. Uh, The other thing to keep an eye on is services. Like the company expects a a better quarter this time from services than they had in the June quarter. Uh, But really it's an iPhone story. And um, I'm a little worried I think there's reason to um, uh, to see risk in the outlook you know remember Apple doesn't provide detailed guidance anymore. they stopped doing that at the beginning of the pandemic and they have not resumed giving detailed guidance but they do provide some color and Direction on where things might be going, and I think the key will be what do they say about the quarter. Now, I would note that it is sort of encouraging that we had these strong consumer spending oriented uh, reports over the last uh, couple of days. So that's that might be that's helpful. The stock's up, actually, is outperforming the other uh, magnificent uh, seven stocks today. Um, on, on this announcement on Monday, you know, you and I talked about this a lot. I, you know, it was like the special announcement evening announcement of new time, Mac time. 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 Yeah. Woohoo. Right. And it was like, it, it was, first of all, it was 30 minutes, which is like the shortest Apple event that either one of us can remember. Like yeah. they never do just things in half an hour. They announced new processors and new laptops and a new iMac. Um, but it all just sort of feels like, doesn't it feels like the opposite of a special announcement it felt like they could have done it in a press release like they have didn't, press release yeah it, they did not need to like invade people's like dinner and like homework help time uh to uh to no. announce a new laptops so I don't think it moves the needle at all I think you know uh vision Pro which does which will arrive early in 2024 uh is unlikely to move the needle at least in the near term I mean even if you think it's going to be a new category for them, that will be successful um, at $3,500 a piece. It's not going to, it's not not going to, they're not going to be enough volume to drive uh, much additional, you know, meaningful revenue for, you know, literally for a year so. Uh, You know, Apple needs a new driver. I think I've said this a few times. Like I think Apple needs something to get people excited about the stock again. Um, I don't think that's what it is. I don't know what it
0: is. Um, A lot of people want it to be AI and we'll, we'll well, we'll see
1: that is, that is, you you know, maybe we wrap on this note that I think it's fascinating that Apple, like, as we mentioned, like they've been early on putting, you know, neural engine capability in their laptops and in in iPhones. uh, But they have no clear strategy. There's been some reporting that they're working on large language models, but it's not entirely clear. What they're going to do, you know, they could do it in search. You know, there's this this litigation still ongoing. It's not quite done yet. This case involving uh, Google's um, search business, which is really focused on the fact that they've locked up search uh, in exchange for large payments to Apple. Yeah. Uh, locked up search on uh, Safari and the iPhone. And if that was to come undone, I don't know. Maybe Apple maybe becomes the it. Yeah. AI search company. We'll All see.
0: Right. We will see. We probably won't get that uh, today, but, but probably not, not today. today you never know. But I will. I will uh, tell folks that uh, we'll be covering this live at four thirty p.m. today, when um, Eastern time, when uh, when Apple earnings come out. So come to, come to re- come to read us then, uh, and also read Eric's cover story, which is uh, on the website uh, on barons.com right now. So. I appreciate everyone sticking with us. We went a little longer today, but we definitely had a lot to talk about. So, and Eric, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Uh, And uh, please join us again tomorrow. Uh, Market Watch's Beth Pinsker is going to be speaking with Mina Sashamani, who's the Deputy Administrator and Director of the Center for Medicare, about Medicare open enrollment. And uh, they'll be answering questions about changes for this year and uh, what lies ahead for the future. So thanks again for listening. Be well and have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.